his precious wife and their three beautiful children. And you're so blessed to have uh, Pastor Joe Hanthorne as your pastor. I think you should give him a hand. Amen. 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 Praise God. I uh, have, uh, we, uh, we got to be connected in a very, I can't speak for him, but for myself, it was one of the most difficult uh, tasks that I was ever asked by our district superintendent. Uh, Brother Putnam asked myself and your pastor to be involved in a situation that was very hard. Um, and it was through that times of uh, meeting, uh, having to deal with an issue uh, that uh, I grew in great respect for the wisdom that your pastor has and the outstanding character and uh, righteousness. This man is a righteous man, and you should thank the Lord for that every day. Praise the Lord. And uh, thank the Lord for Brother Hanthorn. I honor all of our uh, ministers here. We have several. You, your church is blessed to have several licensed ministers uh, of the United Pentecostal Church and at CLC, and we honor all of them. If I start naming names, I will forget someone and, and make somebody mad, and I have enough people mad at me, so I don't need any more mad at me. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 And I will add one other thing as uh, you're turning your Bibles or putting on your glasses to look up at the screen, um, turning to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, the ninth verse, I will tell you that, um, amen, the greatest preacher around is uh, Pastor Joe Hanthor. Amen. Amen. Now, at least you better feel that way. You better feel that way. Amen. There's people that say, oh, their favorite preacher is whatever, Anthony Mangan or Raymond Woodward or all those guys are good. But they don't know you from Adam. But this man and that lady back there on their knees every day praying for you. Amen. You better believe, praise the Lord, best preacher around. Amen. Amen. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I want to preach to you tonight on this simple thought, and I do feel directed of the Holy Ghost. I suppose there's a lot of things I could preach, but I feel directed of the Lord, and perhaps the Lord is reaching for someone here tonight, and I am happy to be used by the Father tonight, if that be the case. But I'd like to speak on this, running to the presence of God, running to the presence of God. You've stood a long time. I appreciate your worship. Thank you, choir, for an incredible song. Nothing's going to touch my heart more than singing about the blood. 
but let's just ask God to help us here one more time. All right, can we do that before we're seated? Lord, I love you, and I worship you, and I exalt you tonight. And I ask you, dear God, Father, help me, Lord. I pray, help me, dear God. These are precious people that have come to hear your word. And I ask you, dear God, speak to me, Lord, and help me to minister, Lord Jesus, what you placed on my heart for this service. Uh, I pray your anointing, dear God, upon myself, and anointing upon every person here. Help us to receive your word. I pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and CLC as it is in heaven. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now clap your hands to the Lord and lift your voice one more time. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. The Bible begins with these words in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. Uh, Genesis describes for us a world uh, that was undistinguished. Uh, it was unformed, and it was chaotic. Uh, a world without form and void, implying confusion and disorder. It was into this type of climate uh, that the Spirit of God moved. From the moving of the Spirit of God came the words of God, let there be be light. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of disorder, in the midst of chaos, the Spirit of God moved to give light. According to the dictionary, light is the energy producing a sensation of brightness that makes seeing possible. So therefore, light gives direction. Light gives life. Light gives clarity. Light gives revelation. So we find in the very beginning of the Bible that in the midst of confusion, in the midst of disorder, the Spirit of God moved to make seeing possible. The story of creation is an incredible sermon in and of itself. The Lord spoke the world into existence by his word. The world did not just happen, nor did it just evolve, but there is a great creator, praise the Lord. God made the world and everything in it. Can I hear a praise the Lord? Also, we learn from the book of Genesis about the law of first things or the law of first mention. Anytime something first appears in Scripture, it reveals a very, very important principle. For example, the Lord not accepting the leaves for covering Adam and Eve, but the hides of animals chose to us the principle that being that blood must be shed to cover sin. The Lord did not accept Cain's sacrifice of the ground but Abel's sacrifice of livestock, the principle being that the only acceptable sacrifice is that which requires the shedding of blood. So we find way back in the very beginning the importance of the blood. We find all of that pointing us to the cross where Jesus Christ would be our ultimate sacrifice and shed his blood for your sins and for my sins, praise the Lord. But we find that principle, that foundation, truth all the way back in the beginning of the first oh, chapter of Genesis. So we find 
the first time the Spirit of God is mentioned or referred to uh, is here in the very beginning of the Bible. Again, let me uh, read it for you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. The purpose for the moving of the Spirit of God was not just during the creation of the universe, but the purpose for the moving of the Spirit of God is to bring light. It didn't matter how dark it was. When God said, let there be light, there was light. Uh, if I understand the Hebrew, light be, light was. It happened. There's something about the moving of the Spirit of God. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of disorder, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of darkness, the Spirit of God is still moving to make seem possible. Praise the Lord. Your life cannot be so chaotic. Your life can be not so full of confusion. I don't care how dark it might seem to be. The Spirit of God can still move. Praise the Lord. And when it moves, amen, let there be light. From the moving of God's Spirit came form and distinction. From the moving of God's Spirit came creation. From the moving of God's Spirit came life. As God's Spirit moved, there was more and more form and more and more distinction and more and more creation and more and more life. Amen. The Lord established a very important principle at the very beginning of the creation of the earth and man. The first thing is, the first thing to move in a life needs to be the Spirit of God. Amen. The first thing you need to have moving in your life is the Spirit of God. you got to have His Spirit. Praise the Lord. The second thing is, uh, the moving of God's Spirit is meant to accomplish something. It would be safe to say the purpose for the moving of the Spirit of God is to create. A formless, chaotic, dark place did not distract or stop the Spirit of God from moving. What a foundational truth. Chaos Disorder and confusion, can I say it again, will not stop the Spirit of God from moving, praise the Lord. As sure as I'm talking to you tonight, the Spirit of God is moving in your life. And you can't have too much chaos to stop the Spirit of God from moving in your life. As sure as I'm talking to you tonight, your life cannot be so dark that the Spirit of God cannot move in your life. And the Spirit of God is moving in your life, not to give you goosebumps on top of goosebumps, but it's to do something in your life. It's to bring creation. It's to bring, praise the Lord, life. It's to bring illumination. It's to bring revelation. Praise the Lord. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Ha-ta-ya-ta-da-ba-ha. 
Paul writes to the church at Corinth about two spirits, the spirit of the world and the spirit which is of God. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Paul tells the Corinthians that when a person receives the spirit of God, they have a knowledge of spiritual things. I personally believe one of the most misquoted or misinterpreted verses of Scripture is verse 9 of this same chapter in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. For he says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's not talking about heaven. That's not talking about, amen, the hereafter. Because he tells us in verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Those who have the baptism of the Holy Ghost know the blessing of God. You see, the spirit of God reveals peace when it doesn't make any sense. The spirit of God reveals victory when it looks like certain defeat. The Spirit of God reveals direction when it seems like the way is so cloudy and so dark. Praise the Lord. The Spirit-filled person has a knowledge about spiritual things because they have the Spirit of God. Again, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Paul tells us that there are two worlds, a natural one and a spiritual one. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit, in fact, they think spiritual things are foolish. Nor can the natural man discern spiritual things. The more I talk to people about the Lord, the more I realize that people don't know their Bible. The more I talk to people in the world, I realize that our society is spiritually ignorant when it comes to the things of God. We are truly living in a post-Christian society where people don't know anything about God. This is why a person needs to be born again. Praise the Lord. you got to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in this familiar passage of Scripture, John 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. But look at verse 6. But that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Flesh will never understand the Spirit. You cannot explain spiritual things to someone who is living after the flesh. That's why you got to be born again. Born of the water and born of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He'll fill you with this spirit. You'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. It's for you. It's for me. Praise the Lord. It's for everybody that's hungry tonight. It's vitally important like never before 
that we realize our need for the presence of God in our lives. Got to have the Spirit. Why? One reason. Well, one of ma- among many. Hope. We're living in a world that is trying to rob us of hope. But true hope is produced by receiving the Holy Ghost. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise the Lord. Hope is kept alive through the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul says to the Romans in verse 15, verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That word abound is, is in the Greek, it's overflowing. It's just this abundance. You see, you see, this is the deal. If you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive the Holy Spirit, you've got more hope than you could ever imagine to use. You've got more hope than you could ever need, praise the Lord. But when you go into a dark world, when you go into a chaotic world, when you go into a world that says, much of disorder and mixed up and messed up, you walk into the workplace, you walk into the school, praise the Lord. You've got abounding hope, praise the Lord. You've got hope, praise the Lord, that should splash off of everybody that you come in contact with. That's what I'm talking about. The seemingly most hopeless of situations is full of hope because an attribute of the Holy Ghost is hope. Romans 5, 5, and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The Spirit of God has been poured out so I can have hope, so you can have hope, praise the Lord. So in the midst of a world, praise the Lord, that is so chaotic and so, amen, mixed up and messed up, I've got a hope, praise the Lord. So hopelessness is caused by two things. Not having received the indwelling of Christ's Spirit. But I've pastored long enough to pastor people that have had the Holy Ghost that don't have hope. So it's caused me to come to the second reason why people don't have hope. Number one, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're really not going to have hope. But if you have the Holy Ghost, amen, and you don't have hope, you see there are people trying to live life in the energy of their own power after they've received the Holy Ghost. As crazy as it sounds, There are spirit-filled believers who choose to live within their own abilities and their own strengths. I stand upon this foundational truth tonight of the first chapter of Genesis. There is not a place in the world where the Spirit of God is not moving. So there is no place in the world where there is no hope. There's no problem! There's no situation. There's no valley so low. There's no sickness so awful. There's no financial despair so great. There's no family dilemma that's so terrible where there is not hope because the Spirit of God is moving, praise the Lord. The Spirit of God is moving, praise the Lord. And there's hope. But I also got to say, 
Well, God is omnipresent. Man has the ability to withdraw from God's presence. A few months ago, excuse me, a few weeks ago, the Lord prompted me to read, study Jonah. And I, I thought, well, so I, I read it, four chapters. I don't think it's 100 verses. Read it. Okay. Put it down. The Holy Ghost prompted me again to read the book of Jonah. So I read it. And I read it again. And I read it again. And I read it again. And I don't know, fifth time through, started writing things down. So I guess here, feel prompted of the Lord. Not preach this message much. Preached it once in our home church. And uh, last Sunday morning. And uh, felt prompted to preach it here tonight. Um, Jonah was a prophet to Jeroboam who reigned over the northern kingdom of Israel for 41 years. Assyria was the rising power in Jonah's day, and the Lord called him to go to Nineveh, Assyria's key city, to warn them that God would destroy their city within 40 days. Knowing the compassion of the Lord and being a popular prophet and a patriotic Jew, Jonah had no desire whatsoever to see Nineveh spared. So Jonah resigned his commission as a prophet, and he took off in the opposite direction for Tarshish in Spain. Tarshish was in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Now, this is the first thing that I noticed. Now, I'm not saying this, this is deep here tonight, but I pray, amen, in the name of the Lord. Uh, three times the book of Jonah records for us that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. Jonah, first chapter, verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord Jonah 1 verse 10 then were there men exceedingly afraid and said unto him why hast thou done this for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them literally amen the Bible says it three times in this short little book it's emphasizing something about Jonah and that is Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. Literally the word means, the phrase means from the face of Jehovah. Away from the presence of God. Not to hide from the omnipresent God. But to withdraw from the service of Jehovah. By going from the presence of the Lord, Jonah was withdrawing from obeying the Lord. Jonah was withdrawing his service to the Lord. And, and by withdrawing from the presence of God. Jonah developed at least five negative attitudes in the life in his life. Dangerous selfishness, apathy, brazen stubbornness, foolish anger, and ignorance. Jonah set sail for Tarshish and a terrible storm occurred. The storm was so great the ship was about to be broken apart. 
The sailors, these hardened sailors, were afraid for their lives. They began to cry out to their heathen gods. And then they began to throw anything that they could overboard because they literally believed that the ship was going to bust apart. And I'm here to tell you that this storm was all because of Jonah fleeing the presence of the Lord. People's lives were at risk because Jonah was not willing to do what God had asked him to do. I thought, as I was studying this, as God prompted me to do this, I thought, oh God, how many storms have I caused in my life? From withdrawing from the face of God. There are issues, there are things that can happen in every one of our lives. And I realize it's easy to blame the devil. And I realize that we could say, hey man, that God is just testing us. But I wonder how many times there are storms in our life because of our selfishness. Because we have chosen to withdraw from the presence of the Lord. How we need his presence tonight. How we need Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you there's not a storm you can't go through as long as it's you and Jesus. It doesn't matter what can happen. Hey man, your boat's not going to blow up if Jesus is on board. But if you're pulling away from him, if I'm pulling away from him, we need his presence. Jonah was fast asleep in the lower deck of the ship. The ship is reeling back and forth, guys. I mean, it's just rocking. It's like a ride at the fair, I mean, or Disney World Six Flags. It's just rocking back and forth, and it's about to be broken in pieces, and Jonah is asleep. I'm not making this up. Jonah had gone from a prophet a prophet of God to nothing more than a passenger on a boat because he had withdrawn from obeying the Lord. In fact, he told the sailors, just throw me overboard. I'm the reason for the storm. And later on, Jonah wished that he would die. He said later on in the fourth chapter, it's better for me to die than to live. Amen. I want you to hear this tonight. Amen. People who are not doing what God has asked them to do will be overwhelmed with the feeling of quitting. God has a purpose for every individual life. God has a purpose for every individual life. You are not a you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. I don't care what anybody said. Amen. I'm here to tell you God's got a purpose for you. Life is too sacred. Life is too special. God's a giver of life. You're alive breathing tonight because God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for you. God wants to use you to make a difference in your world. To be used by him for the furtherance of your kingdom and your will. But if a person is withdrawing from the face of God. They have lost purpose. Uh, you know what the Lord said? He said he's come that he might give us life and that life more. 
He's come to give us a more abundant life. I'm telling you what, it ain't right. It ain't right. I mean, there's a joke around. I heard one of our missionaries, uh, uh, Brother Sanders, missionary to Hawaii, he was telling me, he said, he said, we were walking in the mall the other day, and we saw somebody, and we said, look at those people that are so sad. They've got to be apostolics. You know what? God help us. God help us. We ought to, we, he's come to give us life and that more abundantly. And so I propose to you this tonight. Amen. If a person who's withdrawing from the face of God, they have lost purpose and they're nothing more than passengers in a prison called life. This was never meant to be something that you just hang on to make it to the trumpet sounds. This is a more abundant life. Praise the Lord. This is a more abundant life. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. God. God, this is a blessed life. Every day we get up, praise the Lord. It's a joy to be living for Jesus. This is the day which the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, yes. But if you've become nothing more, and if I become nothing more than a prisoner of life because we have no purpose, I propose to you it's because we've withdrawn. From the face of God. Oh God. I'm so thankful that God is a God of the second chance. I'm so glad that he's a God of the second chance. You read this book, you can't read this uh, four chapters of Jonah and not come away with the fact that the Lord, the Lord, God Almighty, was pursuing Jonah. What an incredible thing. The Lord was going after Jonah, praise the Lord. Like he, in his love and his mercy, has pursued each and every one of us, praise the Lord. Tell you what, I might not be where I should be tonight with God. You might not be where you should be with God tonight. But I'm telling you what, the Lord has not turned the lights off. Amen. The Lord is going after you. He's coming after me. Praise the Lord. He's a God of the second chance. He's a God of the third chance. He's a God of the fourth chance. He's a God. His mercy is everlasting. The second chapter reveals Jonah's account of how the Lord uh, Jonah 1.17, excuse me. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. God did that. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Second chapter reveals Jonah's account of how the Lord cast him into the deep in the midst of the seas. And how he said, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Talking about this, the very depths, deepest part of the ocean. And I, I realized this, that Jonah prayed this incredible prayer. Uh, Jonah 2.7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Amen. Incredible prayer. And I'm not here to diminish that prayer. But yet even though Jonah was given a second chance, he did what he had to do. 
but not willingly or with a grateful heart. Jonah reminds me of that little boy, amen, when he was messing, causing trouble, and his mama said, you get in that corner and you sit down until I tell you to get up. And he went in the corner and he sat down, but he said under his breath, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That was Jonah. He preached a message to people, the people of Nineveh, but he preached it with hatred. He preached it with hatred in his heart. Here this guy is given a second chance. I mean, wow. And he preached. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. But he preached it. Yet 40 days. It would be like me getting up here and saying there's a place called hell and I hope all of you go there. That was pretty nice, wasn't it? I mean, uh, yet 40 days, Nineveh shall be destroyed. What brazen stubbornness. And I see this. I, I, oh, God, help me here tonight. I... I love your pastor. I love, I, 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 there's so many familiar faces over the years that I know here. Amen. Some of you I used to pastor. I tell you what, I love everybody in this place tonight. God knows my heart, but I, I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. How many of us are living for God, serving God, and doing what's right uh, with a heart that doesn't want to? If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me, well, what do I have to do so I don't have to go to hell, preacher? I'd be a wealthy man. Well, all right, I guess I'll do this because i got to do this. I won't go there. I won't do that. I'll look this way. I'll do that. I'll give here, but I don't know about all of this. You know what? Jonah would not have had hatred in his heart if he were longing for the presence of God. Jonah would not have had hatred in his heart if he was trying to get in the presence of God. I challenge you here today. Amen. Come on. Amen. This is a blessed life. This is an incredible life. Amen. This is a joyful life. Praise the Lord. You want to laugh, you want to laugh, you get in the presence of the Lord. You want to have peace, you want to have joy, you want to have contentment, you get as close as you can to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Oh God. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, repented of the evil that they had done. God heard the cry of repentance from the people of Nineveh and held back judgment. Jonah's response, this is amazing. Jonah 4, 4 verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. He was very angry. And why was Jonah angry? He was angry with God for being God. That's what he was angry about. 
Verse 2 of Jonah, the fourth chapter. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth thee of the evil. Jonah knew. Jonah said right there, he said, I know you're a gracious God. I know you're a merciful God. I know that you're slow to anger. I know that you're, in, you're a God of great kindness. And I know that you are a God that does not desire to bring judgment. So what was Jonah angry about? He was angry with God for being God and not doing what he wanted to be done. Talk about being unreasonable. Talk about being unteachable. Talk about being irrational. But I'm here to tell you tonight, individuals who are withdrawing their service from the Lord get angry when God doesn't do it their way. I'm gonna, uh, he's been after me for three, four years. It's fine. It'll be another three, four years. That's cool. He's getting nervous. I can tell that. Amen. Isn't he a great preacher? This is the greatest preacher you're going to ever hear right there. If you ever leave the house of God and you're angry or jealous, I'm talking about if you're angry at sin or something or your kids put gum all over the chairs and Pastor Hanthorne sends you a bill for $1,500. I'd be mad too. But if you're angry how God worked and moved, if you're angry, if you ever leave the house of God and you're jealous because somebody was used and you weren't, if you ever leave the house of God angry and jealous, and let me tell you something. You're headed in the direction of Tarshish and not Nineveh. You're headed away from the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you what, we ought to be thankful every time the Spirit of God moves. Praise the Lord. And I sense that in this house tonight. I sense, praise the Lord, what God was doing here. Amen. Among these people, you were connected. You were engaged. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose that. Praise the Lord. And whoever gets behind this pulpit, who's ever up here singing, who's ever up here playing, amen, whatever they're doing, you rejoice that God is using them Praise the Lord. You rejoice that the presence and power of God are upon their life. When you lose that, when I lose that, it's when I'm withdrawing from the presence of the Lord. I've never known anybody that got better by not coming to church. I've never known anybody that got better by staying away from the house of God. I've never known anybody that's gotten any better, praise the Lord. But what I've known is they've gotten more selfish. They've gotten more apathetic. Amen. They've struggled with anger and jealousy. They've been stubborn, praise the Lord. Amen. I'm here to tell you tonight, you need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. You need the house of God. You need the spirit of God. You need what we feel in this house tonight. I'm looking at the clock back there, folks. I have five minutes. The book of Jonah ends with God's question to Jonah. This is fascinating to me. 
Jonah 4.10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? This book ends with God asking Jonah a question. You read, if you've read the story, you know that he stood on top of the hill to want to watch what was going to happen in Nineveh. God miraculously caused this gourd to grow that became so large it became like an umbrella and it shielded him from the heat and he loved it. Then all of a sudden God sent a wind and caused the gourd to shrivel up and there he was just the heat was so terrible. Jonah said I'd just be better if I died. And God then began to speak to him and said listen amen you have had pity on the gourd while it was comforting you. But when it perished, then you became angry. Should not I have spared Nineveh, that great city where more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between the right hand, their left hand, and also much cattle? Ask them that question. We don't know how Jonah answered. Did he repent? Finally learned the important lesson that God can have mercy on the pagan Gentiles as well as the religious Jews. I don't know. Did Jonah confess his anger and narrowness and go home with a loving heart? I don't know. We can only hope so, but I don't know. Uh, I find it fascinating that in the 66 books of the Bible, amen, there are only three that end with a question. Second Chronicles, uh, oh, ends with a question by the heathen king Cyrus of Persia. Nahum ends with a question uh, uh, by Nahum the prophet. Uh, but the only book in the entire Bible that ends with a question from God is Jonah. So that tells me something. God's asking questions. And are we able to answer God's questions? Because there isn't anything more important than if you could answer God's questions. I don't know. I don't know what the questions may be. Why are you living how you're living? Why won't you do what I'm asking you to do? I don't know if the question is why. Why aren't you serving me? I don't know if the question is, why don't you care more about lost souls? I don't know what the question is. Why, why won't you forgive? I don't know if the question is nothing more than, why won't you trust me? I don't know. But I believe God's asking us all questions. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you can answer those questions. If you're living, if you're walking, if you're led by his spirit, praise the Lord. There's not a question that the Lord will ask you, praise the Lord, that you can't answer again. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have not received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given 
to us of God. Amen. The Lord might say, how come you're not serving me more? And you could just run in his presence and say, Lord, I don't know, Lord, but I'm here to give you, I give myself to you and I'm here to tell you, the Lord will touch you. The Lord will bless you. Oh, why don't you trust me more? Amen. I don't know, Lord, I got this problem, this situation. A peace is going to come. God's going to give you a revelation. God's going to talk to you and say, hey, it's going to be all right. I love you. I'm on your side. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. This is why Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What did Paul say? Paul said, I'm not going to rely on my human ingenuity. I'm not going to rely rely on my own prowess here. I'm not going to rely on my own abilities and my own strength. No, I am determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. And look at this. Amen. Paul was saying, I'm going to stay close to Jesus. I'm going to stay close to the cross. Amen. I'm going to stay close to his spirit. Amen. I'm going to stay close to Jesus. And then his spirit and his power will be manifested in my life in an incredible way. Amen. I'll know the deep things of God. I'll know the things that are freely given to us of God. That whole chapter Paul is talking about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, listen, come on, get close to Jesus. Don't ever forget that he loved you when you were unlovable. He gave his life for you when you were worthless. He shed his blood for me when I was nothing but a murderer, but he loves me. I'll never forget that day when he forgave me when I was baptized in his name when I was filled with the spirit I'm determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified that's why I could come to you in the demonstration of the spirit and power of God I must not run from his presence I must run to his presence praise the Lord I must run to his presence praise the Lord Jesus, I need you today. Jesus, I got to have you today. Jesus, I got to have you today. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I got to have you today. I've got so many mixed up, messed up stuff, but I need you in my life, and light will come. Amen. Illumination will come. Revelation will come. As you're saying, Lord, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to run from you, but I'm going to run. I'm going to run to your presence. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Stand to your feet and shout unto God. Hallelujah. My God.
beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, praise the Lord. If you understand, i got to get in His presence i got to get in his presence. Then you understand why the Lord's convicting you concerning wrong choices. If you understand, amen, you know I can't do this on my own. Amen, I can't do this by myself. Brother Johnson, amen, I, I've been in this all of my life. I know how to have church. I know there are things that I could say and do that can move a crowd. I know there are songs that we could sing that could get people moving, amen, and getting all sort of things. But I wonder if it's more in the flesh than it's the spirit. I've got to have Jesus. I can never forget that he died for me, that he was buried, that he rose again. Paul said, I might be a smart guy, but I know this, my smarts. I can be so smart, I can be stupid. I've got to have the presence of the Lord. I can never forget Jesus. That's why the Lord's dealing with you about receiving the Holy Ghost tonight. That's why the Lord's dealing with you about seeking his face in prayer. You've been trying to do this on your own. You've been trying to do this on your own. And certainly, the exaggerated attitude of Jonah is not apparent with anyone here tonight, I know that. But is there a little selfishness? Is there a little apathy? Is there a little... Stubbornness. Is there just a, a little anger, a little jealousy? Is there a, a little ignorance? What am I supposed to be doing? What's going on here? I'll tell you what. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him, but by his spirit. The deep things of God. The deep things of God. There's not a question God's asking you, and there's not a question you're asking God. But God will not reveal to you, illuminate to you. Let there be light. If you'll get into his presence. Oh God, the Lord's calling us to a closer walk. The Lord's calling us to a closer walk. I commend you. The revival that's taking place in Osaki County. Praise God. Praise God. But let's not rest on our laurels. Let's not get so program-oriented and think we could just run like a machine. we got to have His presence. we got to get closer to Him. we got to get closer to Him. we got to get closer to Him. Oh, Hatayata. Does anybody want to get closer to the Lord? Amen. Did God speak to someone here tonight? Amen. Would you come to this altar? Amen. Would you draw near to the Lord here tonight? Would you run to his presence? Amen. Oh, God. God, forgive us of selfishness. God, forgive us of apathy, Lord. Forgive us of stubbornness, Jesus. Oh, God, I ask you, dear Jesus. God, God, forgive me of jealousy. Forgive me of anger, dear God. 
Oh God, forgive me, Lord Jesus. Want to quit. I'm feeling like I have no value, no purpose. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh God, oh God, forgive me of ignorance. I need to go deeper, Lord. I need to draw near to you. I need to go to that well, praise the Lord, again. I need to drink from the fountain again. I need to come to the cross again. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, my God, let me never forget that. Let me never get so big for my bridges that I don't forget where this all started. It started on an old rugged cross. Thank you, Jesus.